Welcome back to Till Death Do Us podcast, a podcast about marriage, murder, with the Murrays. I'm Michelle Murray. And I'm Matt Murray. And we're glad to be back. Yeah. Um, we participated last week in the podcast Blackout, um, Blackout Tuesday. Uh, yeah, we, we felt like we need to. Our world is crazy right now. Yeah, it's really insane. Um, you know, we, we kind of had a discussion where you're definitely going to Blackout on Tuesday and then... We just kind of felt like even releasing late last week, it wasn't, it didn't feel right. Right. You know, so we, we let it breathe a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, even though the world is still a little crazy now, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you know, sometimes the show must go on kind mm-hmm. of deal. And um, we still don't want this to detract from any of the messaging that's going on around the right. world right now. Um but, you know, we, we use this sometimes as a means to cope with stuff like that. Right, exactly. And I think a lot of other people do, too. Yeah, yeah. So, um, not that uh, I, I want to put our stance out there, but I right. do want to put out st- our stance out there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just, you know, I want to repeat that, like, we are two very privileged white couple, and, like, I know nothing about, you know, what people are going through right now and all, all you neither can do, do is you and yeah support it so just want to say that we do support black lives matter and i really want everyone to acknowledge it and let's make it go away <laughs> yeah i i you know uh i'll try to make this kind of quick but i think i had a weird benefit of growing up in malden um because you know i know a lot of people from around here jokingly kind of you know you look down on your hometown a little bit mm-hmm but in reality, Malden, especially when I was growing up, was like one of the most diverse cities. Yeah, Medford in, too. In the area, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like, yeah, it's like this cluster of cities, like Somerville, Malden, Medford. Uh, you know, the, it's just a very diverse area. And, you know, uh, I had the privilege of growing up with um, a really diverse group of friends in a diverse neighborhood. And so it always really bothered me and it always kind of took me back when people would look down on people of color or of mm-hmm. a different nationality just because it was so outside of the norm for how I grew up. And, you know, I consider myself really lucky in that I was raised by people and raised around people who value life mm-hmm. above everything else. Right. You know what I mean? Everybody... Like, you know, black lives matter because they're lives, you know what I mean? And uh, a person is not his his or her skin color or right. nationality. And right. uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel, I do feel privileged to have grown up in that kind of environment. Yeah. Yeah. Where, yeah, I don't know. Because yeah. um, <laughs> that's, I, I did not grow up like that. Like, um, I mean, obviously color was all around because Medford was very diverse, but um my father was very, very racist. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've always said before that I believe in nurture versus nature, but, like, this is not one of those cases. Like, it doesn't matter what the generation before us felt and all of that, you know. It's how we're choosing to change it and see the world differently and make the world better. You know, it didn't It didn't matter that my... My dad super saw color. I, I never did. You right. know what I mean? But anyways, I don't know what to say, guys. I really don't. Yeah. Please, um, 
you know, if you're a person of color, tell me how I can help. Tell us how, tell us what we can do. Um, you know, educate us and, you know, we're not offended. Like we need to know, we need to know what to do. I mean, we're your allies. We're here. Tell us how we can help, you know? Good. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't want to get too sidetracked. Um, but I think it was important that we hit on that. I agree. I agree. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I also, um, did not come up with marriage advice this week. Um, I sought some help because I am running short, (laughs) (laughs) but we got some really good ones. Um, unfortunately I'm not going to read them all because some of them were not PG. Are we a PG show? You know who you are? No. I mean, I guess we're not PG because our language is pretty bad. But this was a difference between PG-13 and R. Okay. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. But I chose a couple of them. So (laughs) Jonathan says, I'm not going to read people's last names. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I probably should have asked permission. But anyway, so Jonathan said, don't ever stop dating your wife. Don't ever stop flirting with your husband. That's a good one. Yeah, that is a good one. Why haven't you taken me out? Because we can't go out <laughs> literally. I know, just kidding. We had a date night the other day and we stayed inside and finished Ozark and ate steaks. It was great. It was <laughs> awesome. Um, and then Kathy also said pretty much the same thing. She was talking about how like it's so important to have date nights and stuff. Yeah. Deirdre said, remember the little things. It means a lot when my husband brings me coffee in the morning or when I take him water when he is mowing. It isn't anything, but it means something to the other person. And when you do the very small thing, it's showing big love. Yeah. I thought that was such <clears throat> I read a that one. quote. That I was actually, awesome. Yeah, I think that was a really good one. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Because it is. Like, <clears throat> we live that so much because we're not into, like, big gift giving. Not at all. Yeah. Anything like that. You mm-hmm. know, like, we're not big Christmas people. Like, I went a little all out last year, but, like... That was more an experience for both of us, but we're not those people. You know what I mean? What'd you get me for Christmas? We went to fucking New York. That was two years ago. That was two years ago. <laughs> anyway. I was like, you went all out this year? Well, both of our birthdays in January, so we don't really, like, we don't celebrate birthdays, and I don't really care about Valentine's Day yeah, neither do or I. anniversaries or anything. Literally, the only holidays I care about is Christmas and Mother's Day. Right. <laughs> yeah, and so, I don't know, I think in... Those specific instances, you know, I mean, even if you are a big gift giver, like, you could always say, like, oh, well, it's the thought that counts, you know, even behind the big gift. But Mm -hmm. really, like, when the thought counts is, like, when you're doing something like that, right? Like, when you're inside and, you know, her husband or or, uh, whatnot is outside mowing the lawn and Mm -hmm. she sees him and is like, I bet he wants a glass of water. Like, it's the little things that let you know that the other person knows you. Right. And I I do. I think that's super important. What is it for you? What do you mean? I don't know. You say we live that a lot. What is it? I just feel like we do a lot of little tiny things for each other. Is it when I surprise you with beef jerky? Sometimes. <laughs> well, you bring me a coffee every morning. That's true. I do. You know? I mean, I think that just little tiny things, you know, yeah. that, that add up over yeah. over time. You it know? does. It does. Good one, Deirdre. Yeah. That was a really good one. Uh, Spencer. Spence? My boss. Says... <laughs> Why'd you have to say that? I don't know. Are we going to have to reverse that now? Like, Ersmericus? No. I'm just going to call him out. Because he always tells me that he listens and it makes me happy. Yeah, okay. So, his says, um, always have more than one bathroom. Keeps the romance alive. 
which I think is a great. We only have one bathroom. For now. What do you want? <laughs> we gonna have a his and hers bathroom someday? Yeah. In our fucking mansion? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I gonna get relegated to the half bath? Yeah. <laughs> you can't use the shower. <laughs> you have really long hair. That, that's what you're concerned about is the shower? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cassandra says, never pick a fight with your spouse when they're cutting vegetables. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Which instantly, all I thought was Chicago. He ran into my knife. Oh, yeah. He ran into my knife ten times. And this is the best one from Marissa. She said, uh, the wife is always in charge and always right. So. I don't think uh, We're going to finish that segment now. Oh, all right. the yeah. end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the other husbands out there know that that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Sorry, husbands. Yeah, jerk. <laughs> All right. You ready to take it down a notch? I'm ready. So, this is a good one. I is think it? it? Yeah. It's, I mean, so obviously I was like doing research for quite a while because like after we decided to not release last week, I did like even more research because I was like, oh, we're not going to do this. So, I delved a lot into it and doved, delved, I don't know. Delved. Is that a word? Yes. Is it? Yep. Dungeon delving. It's a word. So. <laughs> so I did a lot were of research. You, were you questioning why it had to be dungeons? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Delve just still sounds weird. I don't know why I said it, but yeah, I guess it's really a word. You got to delve right into it. Yeah. Okay. Does it sound weird if I say it a lot? It does. It does. sounds weird. You ever just say a word a lot of times in a row and then it stops being the word that it is? <laughs> No. <laughs> Anyways. Should be like delve, 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 and then like it just melds into itself, and it's not the word that you originally said. Anyways. <laughs> um. So, yeah. So, anyways, I did a lot of research, and like I was actually concerned that I wasn't gonna have enough information mm-hmm. and how I was going to make this into a long enough story, but then I did it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And so, today we're going to discuss the murder of Linda Bailey Brown. So, I read a lot of LA Times articles. Uh, My Favorite Murder did an episode on this, episode 141. Moms and Murder did an episode called House of Cards. True Crime Guys did an episode, episode 53. I actually listened to an audiobook. Anne Rule wrote a book on this case called If You Really Loved Me. And she actually narrated the book herself, and in the beginning, she had, like, an excerpt where she was talking about how the person who committed, like, who committed this murder, essentially, is, like, one of the most consummate sociopaths she has ever encountered. And, like, that's saying something, because she fucking worked alongside Ted Bundy, right. so... Yeah, yeah, That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so, um, that was interesting. And then there was actually a 1991 made-for-TV movie called Love, Lies, and Murder. Oh, boy. Obviously. It was Lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually pretty sure... I'm pretty sure I've seen it, because I was looking up the cast, and it just looked very familiar. Like, um, I don't think you ever watched One Tree Hill, right? Never in my life. So there's a character in it, Karen, and um, she plays the main character in this movie when she was much younger. But anyways, you don't know what I'm talking about. Nope. So, <laughs> so 
So Linda Bailey was born August 26, 1961. She was raised very poor by a single mother along with 10 other siblings. Holy shit, big family. Seriously. That was of that era, though. Yeah. Yeah, 11 children. Yeah. Um, Like, literally, no matter how hard I tried, I could not find the street they grew up on. Like, I just couldn't find the name of it. I tried a lot. But on the street that they grew up on, there was a neighbor named David Brown. David was born November 16th, 1952, so he was nine years older than Linda. He also came from a large family, and he was the sixth out of eight children. Couldn't find much information on his upbringing either. Like, for some reason, like, their stories just start. Like, there was no beforehand, apparently. That's kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's just no no record of them because it's not notable. Yeah, I don't know. I just really couldn't find much else about, like, both of their childhoods or anything. So... When David was 16, he actually um, knocked up his girlfriend, Brenda, and they gave birth, well, she gave birth to a daughter named Cinnamon. <laughs> Instant stripper. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bre- what, do you want, what do you want our daughter to do? I don't know. Let's name her Cinnamon. Stripper it is. <laughs> Brenda and David got married, but their relationship didn't last long. They fought often, and Brenda says David was very controlling. They eventually split due to infidelity by both sides. Cinnamon was left often bouncing between their separate homes. Soon after the divorce, David got remarried to a woman named Lori. David was well known around the neighborhood for chatting up the younger girls, especially those in the Bailey household. There's a lot of names in this. If you get confused, feel free to ask me any questions. I probably will. Yeah, there's like a lot. There's a lot of, of, are you confused now? A little bit. What's confusing? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so he was, like, known for chatting up the young girls, especially the Bailey family girls. He would often buy the girls ice cream, and he spent time hanging around their house to get close with the rest of the family. How how old is he at this point? So. Is he, like, is it still 16? Like, he's just. He's, like, like early 20s. Early 20s. Yeah. And they're, like, teenagers, like, right. young teenagers. Uh-huh. Gross. By the time David and Lori's marriage ended, he had already has, had his eyes set on Linda. David convinced Linda's mother that he was dying of colon cancer, and he only had six months to live. With his new wife now gone, he needed someone to help him keep up with the household. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, your wife left you, and you're dying of colon cancer, and you say to your neighbor, like... Listen, can your can your thirteen year old daughter come clean my house? And she's like, Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean like there is probably like a genuine honesty and like, of course, yeah, like go help him. Yeah. He's in need. You know, like just blissfully ignorant of how fucking weird this dude probably is. Mm. So the months passed and David's health never seemed to get any worse. He couldn't explain his miraculous recovery. The Bailey family never wanted to question why this was because why this was because they began to rely on his financial help. So like he was paying the teenage girls to help him. Um, yeah, help him around the house. So they were like, oh, we don't want to say anything. Like so, uh, on top of her going over, her sisters ended up going over to help as well. Yes, the teenage daughters. Yeah. in general, he was paying Linda and her sisters to help him around the house, and he would also provide groceries and such to the rest of the family. He would play Santa and the Easter Bunny, and all the kids just adored him. So he just, like, really slipped his way into this Yeah, family. he, like, got in there. Wasn't there... No, was there one that we did where... No, there's something that I watched where somebody had done that, and I forget what it was. I don't know. Yeah. 
I don't remember. It was actually it was one of those missing cases that we were watching with the kids that disappeared, and I forget what it was, but like he, had, it was like a friendly neighbor guy like ended up kind of. Is it this? No. No. Okay. I I didn't know if we had I stumbled upon what this actually was, but like he ends up like shit. I can't remember the name of it. I swear to God, it was like a documentary we watched at one point where it was either like a neighbor or somebody who had just moved into town and. He, like, becomes really friendly with the family, becomes, like, part of the family, and then ends up, like, telling this little girl that, like... Are you talking about abducted in plain sight? Yes. Yeah. That's fucked up. Where, like, he told her aliens were coming yeah, or some yeah, yeah. shit? Yeah, yeah, Abducted in plain sight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, that... Sh- sh- that's crazy. Yeah, that shit we was We watched that up. a while ago. Yeah, we did. But that sounds like this, because he, he had, like, really subversively... Yeah. Made his way into like the inner circle of That's like he wasn't what just creeps like this do. Yeah, he wasn't just like a friendly person. He was like he had like injected himself into mm-hmm. the family. Yeah, exactly. So one day at the age of fifteen, Linda approached her sister in law, Mary, and asked about how to get birth control. Mary immediately told Linda's mom, and it caused such an intense fight between the two of them that Linda ended up moving out of her mom's house and in with um her brother Rick and his wife Mary. At the age of 17, Linda's mom finally gave her consent to be with David, and they were married in Las Vegas on June 21st, 1979. So if she was 17, he's going to be like 25? Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. At David's, as David's first two marriages have shown, he clearly wasn't a good husband. They lived together for only one month and 24 days. Wow. On September 18th, David sued Linda for a divorce. Linda moved back in with her brother and sister-in-law. In May of the next year, so literally only eight months after him, David and Linda divorced, David married again a woman named Cindy. So this is his fourth marriage. In how many years? A very short amount of time. Like under 10 years? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So That's a track record. There's more. How do, you, how, do you, how do you pick up a girl with that? Like I don't know. Hey, listen. I've been divorced four times. Yeah. Want to try? <laughs> Are you the one? In your early 20s? Yeah. <laughs> so um, that relationship, that marriage, fourth marriage, also didn't last very long. They were divorced by January. <laughs> What's that? A month? Uh, No. May to January. May to January. I'm sorry. I thought you said December. It was September when he divorced Linda. Jesus Christ. Yeah. There's a lot. (laughs) So, so, yeah. So him and Cindy divorced. She peaced out. So after this, David went back to Linda and was like, listen, you know, he showered her with gifts and was like, I promise it's going to be different this time. It's going to be different. I love you. Like, you know, all of that. And she took him back. Wow. Mm-hmm. He was, he was a master manipulator. They get married again. Wow. So in the early 80s, computer records were very vulnerable. Power surges and outages from things like hurricanes and floods and stuff, stuff like human error could wreak havoc on a business's technology. Mm-hmm. David currently worked as a, as a subcontractor for a company called Random Axe Incorporated, which had a system for retrieving 40 to 60% of lost computer data. David improved their process and increased this percentage from 70 to, between 70 and 90. Wow. He chose to keep this information to himself, and he went on to find his own business called Recovery Data Incorporated. Ironically, there is a David Brown that lives in Michigan that started a company of the same name. 
That's very so like weird. we have David Brown, and he currently lives in California, and he started this company with that name, and then a David Brown in Michigan started the same company, like named the same thing. Yeah. So in an article um, in the L.A. Times, the David what Brown. What are the chances yeah, that that could happen? I know the David Brown in Michigan was talking about, you know, obviously whatever happens in this story, when it happens, you know, this David Brown was contacted and he was like, listen, I'm not that David Brown. Imagine how confusing like, that was been like, <laughs> you own the business. What do you mean you're yeah. not that David Brown? Yeah. yeah. Fireworks. Oh, that was a firework outside. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So apparently they had talked too and like just had a good laugh about it. Them too. Yeah. The oh, two yeah. David Browns. Super funny. Mm-hmm. One of them murders somebody. Hilarious. <laughs> Or do they? Dun, dun, dun. So, um, you know, with this, David begins earning, like, a ton of money. Like, yeah. you know, he, data retrieval, She's especially huge. in, like, the 80s. Yeah. Prior to surge protectors and all that. Yeah. So he was making bank. So he gets... Making a- bank! <laughs> so he gets accustomed to living a certain kind of lifestyle. Sure. Him and Linda move into a beautiful home in Garden Grove, California, and in 1984, Linda gives birth to a daughter they named Crystal. Around this time, Linda's younger sister, sister, (laughs) 11-year-old Patty, was struggling at home. The issues between her and her mother got so intense that she moved in with David and Linda. So she wasn't even the youngest. Linda was not the youngest. Hmm. So, Patty moves in with Linda. So now in this household, we have David. Yep. Creepy David. Yep. His wife, young wife, Linda. Yep. Their baby, Crystal. Right. And then Linda's sister, Patty. You almost 11, said sister again. I did almost say sister yeah. again. What's up with that? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and then 11-year-old Patty, you know, comes into the mix. So Patty doted on David. She loved him. David began to groom... More fireworks. More fireworks. <laughs> David began to groom Patty. One thing that, like really frustrated me creepy. yeah so one thing that like really frustrated me in all of the podcasts i listened to and you know Anne rule's book and like all of the articles i read nobody ever fucking said pedophile like call it what it is i mean he is right like that's, call it what it is when you that's do what that it was. that's what you're doing and they also didn't say grooming either like they didn't use that terminology at all i didn't hear it at all and it's like very weird i know it's so weird And, like, that's what it is. So, David began to molest Patty, but because it started at such a young age and David was such a good manipulator, Patty believed that it was love and that she felt that they were in a secret relationship. Like, it wasn't like this father figure is molesting me and abusing me. It was like, oh, I love him and we're going to be together. Right, because you don't know what that is. Right. At 11, like... Yeah, you yeah. don't have the you don't have the That's capacity. That's what you think love is. Yeah, you don't have the capacity to understand that. Right. So he was just a predator. During all of this craziness, so we have all these people living in the house. Yeah, it's a lot of people. You know, yeah. they he's molesting Patty. It's crazy. Obviously, Linda is not. A, Linda is now aware of this. Linda does not know. Okay. Yeah. So they kept it. They kept it secret from Linda. Yeah. So during all of this craziness, David's daughter Cinnamon. Is still being bounced back and forth between David's house the and the mother's house. And then finally she settles into David's house. Supposedly, 
Linda and Cinnamon did not get along, and Linda actually sent Cinnamon to live in a trailer in the backyard as punishment. Oh, my God. Which, like, I don't understand how that's punishment. Cause, like, you get your own sweet room. Right? But like, still, that's kind of shitty. When like, I was 14, I would be like, yeah, I'll go live in a trailer in the back. Like, screw you guys. Yeah, I'm sure. But not everyone is you at 14. <laughs> you wouldn't have loved to do that at 14. Don't I, lie. I had a basement room. Yeah, but that's just one room. I'm just, it was a pretty big room. It's not that big. It's the size of this room. Well, I don't know, but I would really love a trailer in the back. Sure. Yeah, it would be sweet. But you wouldn't feel like slightly exiled from the family? Especially if you were like... So she came inside, she would come inside to watch some TV and eat yeah. meals. But like as like an outside person from the family already. Did you hang out with your family at 14? No. All right then. So why would why would you feel exiled from the family? I'm just saying it would be weird. I like don't even think I ever saw my mom and sister <laughs> when I was 14. Like I just went in my room and like turned my music on really really loud. <laughs> I actually found a picture the other day of the uh, doll hanging by the noose in my bedroom and I almost posted it. You should. If you guys want to see it, tell me. They you do want to see it. <laughs> Yeah, so now we have this whole house of people. In 1983, when Patty was just 15 years old and Cinnamon was only 12 years old, David, once again using his master manipulator skills, began to plant seeds in their mind that Linda was planning to have David killed. David spends years convincing the girls of this. He talks about how when he's dead, they're both going to have to go back to living with their mothers and that the lavish lifestyle he's providing for them will go away and they'll go back to being poor. Finally, David explains to them that the only way to save him is by killing Linda. Yeah. He tells them that if they really love him, that they would do it for him. He can Wait, does he Charles Manson them? Listen to my story. Oh my God, he does. <laughs> He convinces them that because they're so young that they won't serve any jail time and everything will be okay. David tries to get Patty to be the one to officially commit the murder, but after an attempt one night, she confesses that she cannot go through with it. The task then falls on Cinnamon. On March 18, 1985, the family was all up playing cards while David's mother was out for a visit. She was over for a visit. Linda was trying to put their seven-month-old daughter, Crystal, to sleep, and an argument broke up between her and her mother-in-law. Linda wanted to let the baby self-soothe, and David's mother wanted to pick her up immediately. Sounds like your mom. (laughs) Sounds like me. I have such a hard time letting Grayson cry. It's terrible. Yeah. He doesn't really... He doesn't cry long at all, though. I know. But even if he starts crying, it's like more than a minute. You just got to go in and be like, it's okay. I'm still here. I know. Bye. I know. I I mean, everyone has different opinions. Yeah. But like, that's my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) We never fight about that though, ever. She actually always looks at me like when, when you, when he starts crying, we're both in here. You usually look at me like, go get him. How fast does he go to sleep, though? He does. He goes to sleep super quick. It's right? crazy. Yeah. Like, everyone talks about, like, toddlers being such a pain in the ass and, like, all that. Like, no. We have such a routine. He goes to bed great every night. So, anyways, Linda and her mother-in-law, like, got in a huge fight about this. So, once David's mother left, David and Linda just kept fighting about it. And, like, Linda was so mad that David didn't back her up and, like... 
David's mother had picked up Crystal and just rocked Crystal to sleep. And Linda was like, why the hell would you let her do that? Like, you're going against what I want as a mom. And right. Yeah. It was a that's, whole thing. Yeah. That's always, it, it was such a big thing. So that night, Cinnamon had actually chose to sleep inside the house. So after Linda goes to bed, David goes into the girl's bedroom. So Patty and Cinnamon's bedroom. And he's like, listen, tonight is the night. Like, we have to do it. We have to kill Linda tonight. So David forced Cinnamon to ingest a concoction of prescription medication. He gave her a 38 caliber Smith & Wesson with a 2-inch barrel and instructed her to put a pillow over the muzzle to stifle the sound. Once David is sure that Cinnamon is ready, he leaves the house and heads to a convenience store to buy some snacks. What? Yep. I mean, he's creating an alibi for himself. All right, hold on. So... He's going to be like, she fucking took a bunch of drugs and went crazy. Mm -hmm. That's what he's going for. Yep. Wow. And there's some talks, like, I mean, no one really knows uh, what he was trying to do. If he was trying to make it look like she did that herself um, to go crazy or to kill herself. Like, right. Like, I don't, nobody knows if he but was so that, actually how, how attempting. How would that end result if she was trying to kill herself? How does that end in... Well, she, like, if he was if he was trying to make it seem like a suicide or if he was trying to actually have her die. Right. After killing Linda. No, Do you know I, what I mean? Yeah, okay, I get you. Like, nobody knows if he wanted Cinnamon to dead die. or not. Right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, um, he went to the convenience store to get snacks, presumably to create an alibi for himself. That's what you do, right? So, Cinnamon slowly entered Linda's bedroom. She walked up to the bed and shot Linda in the chest while she slept. This did not kill Linda. Cinnamon went to shoot her a second time, but a piece of the pillow had actually gotten stuck and the gun wouldn't fire. So Cinnamon had to go back to Patty for help and be like, I don't know what to do. Like, Linda's not dead. This gun isn't firing. Like, what the hell? So in the process of Patty and Cinnamon trying to get the gun unstuck, it actually goes off in Patty's bedroom well, like, the baby is also in there as well. So they get it unstuck. It fires. Cinnamon goes back into Jesus Linda's Christ. room and shoots Linda again. Finally, this kills her. David arrived home from the store, and Patty greeted him at the door holding the baby. She was sobbing uncontrollably, and David called 911. Once the police arrived, they learned that no one had actually gone into Linda's room yet to check on the shots that they heard. So, like, the police get there, and David and Patty are just like, yeah, we heard shots. And the police like, officer's uh, what, like, what did you do about what, it? Yeah. And David was just like, I think my wife is dead, but I, I'm too scared. I can't go check on her. Why would you think that? Right. Right off the bat. Right. Yeah. So, the police officer's just like, um. Sure, dude. Okay. David and Patty immediately told the police that the person they suspect, suspected of the murder was Cinnamon and that they couldn't find her anywhere. They claimed that she was an angry child who had lots of issues with Linda. They said that she never quite fit in with the family. Patty told police that Cinnamon was particularly upset that day and that she had actually brought the gun to her and asked her how to shoot it. This didn't strike Patty as odd because it was normal for the family to shoot guns on the property. Which, like, if that's what you're claiming, wouldn't Cinnamon know how to use it? Right. So that yeah. doesn't make any sense right. at all. Yeah. 
Patty said that she had heard the gunshots and then saw Cinnamon fleeing the house. The search for Cinnamon took hours. The next morning, police finally found her curled up in the fetal position in a large doghouse in the back of the property. So, like, their property was huge. So, like, it took a really long time to find her. Wow. She was covered in red vomit and urine and was clinging to life. In her hand was a note wrapped in red ribbon. The note said, Dear God, please forgive me. I didn't mean to hurt her. Cinnamon was arrested and taken to California Youth Detention Facility. Before they could even read her... little girl. I know. She's only 14. Before they could even read her her Miranda rights, she confessed to the murder. During the interview, Cinnamon was going in and out of consciousness. They had to cut the interview short and take her to the hospital, which, like, why wasn't she taken to the hospital in the first place? Yeah. Like, I... This is the 80s, but, like, I can't imagine it was okay for you to question a minor... In that condition. Yeah. Like, that just sounds... I mean, just in general, That sounds insane. Even outside of that, just, like, as a human, talking to another human, especially a younger human, you're like, oh, my God, like, are you okay? Like, we probably should clean you up and, like, you need to rehydrate and... Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although there were many red flags in this case, and it rubbed a lot of the investigators the wrong way, there was no concrete evidence that David was involved in any way. Oh, God. Cinnamon's loyalty to her father didn't waver. Only six months <coughs> after Linda murdered David, uh, after only six months after Linda's murder, David cashed in on over $800,000 in life insurance policies. His business was doing really great. And, like, he was already making $175,000 a year. Holy shit. So, like... In the 80s. Yeah. Why did you even need all of that money, dude? Cinnamon's defense team tried to plead insanity, but she was found to be sane. And in September of 1986, she was sentenced to 27 years in prison. After the trial, it seemed that David's visits to Cinnamon became less often. One detective named Jay Newell could not ignore the feelings he had that David Brown was involved in his wife's murder. And eventually, in 1988, he confronted Cinnamon. He described the fancy lifestyle that David was living on the outside from his life insurance that he had gotten from Linda. And then he actually, um, David was committing a lot of car insurance fraud. So, in a total of his life, he's had 17 car accidents that were paid out by insurance. So, like, he had all of that money, too. So, he was just living it up. Wow. Then the investigator dropped a bomb on Cinnamon. He told her that he found out that in July of 1986, so pretty much like a little over a year after Linda's murder, David and Linda's sister, Patty, 17-year-old Patty, got married. (laughs) Wow. So this is his sixth marriage. To his uh, murdered wife's little sister. Yeah. And they actually had a baby. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, like, David had come in and, like, mentioned to Cinnamon that Patty had had a baby, but, like... Not that it was his. Or right. Or that they were married. Yeah. yeah. Like, didn't say... Didn't tell her any of that. Right. So, finally, Cinnamon was like, okay, like, well, I'm done protecting them. Right. Like, this is over. So she confessed to everything. So finally, the investigator was like, listen, why don't we, like, catch your father? 
and, you know, let's get him to confess. So she started wearing wires. Um, when he came to see when her or he something? Came, yeah. So to record everything. So it took, like, a long time to get him to actually confess to everything. But finally, in September of 1988, he he confessed, and they got it on recording. And it was basically him just being like, if you tell, like, we're all going to prison. Finally, David was arrested and charged with first-degree murder for financial gain. While awaiting trial, (laughs) this asshole... This keeps going? Yeah. So while awaiting trial, this asshole makes friends with an inmate and tries to convince him to help him get a hitman to kill Patty and the defense attorneys. Oh, my God. So the inmate immediately, like, snitches on him, and they get a police officer to go into the prison as, like, undercover and get him to confess to trying to hire a person. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, you already got caught confessing on a hidden recording once. Like, why well, the hell are you going to... Did you gonna... not learn anything? Right, like, why... Why are you going to fall for that again? Oh, my God. (laughs) What an idiot. Yeah. How can you be so smart and so dumb? Yeah, I don't know. So all of this information convinces um, Patty to testify against him. So 21-year-old Patty confessed to her involvement in the murder and was only sentenced to remain in prison until she was 25. From 17? Uh, 21. Oh, from 21. Well, it was, she was 17 when it happened. It was 21 when they finally finally figured out she was involved. So, yeah, she was only in prison for four years. So Cinnamon Brown was freed from prison in 1992 at the age of 21. She went on to live a normal life. You know, she got married. Good for her. Yeah. Um, Patty went on to live a normal life, too. It's really weird to say good for her, but, like... It's not her fault. Right. That's what I mean. It's like, you know, she murdered somebody, but she was manipulated, heavily manipulated by somebody else. Um. And she was a minor. Like, you're brainwashed. Yeah. Like, your your brain literally is not fully, like, developed right. at that age. It's not, it's not developed until, like, 24. Right. Like, for an adult to manipulate you like that, no, like, it's, it's, it's easy. not your fault. Right. It's easy for an adult to do that, especially when they have your trust. Mm-hmm. And then, on top of that, like, once, I feel like... Once somebody takes over your brain like that, it's very hard to revert, especially right. when you're seeing them all the time. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I can understand being in prison and just being like, hearing all this news and just being like, well, fuck that. Like, what What was I thinking? Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, that sucks for her. That's terrible. Yeah. But so she got out at 21 and went on to live a really good life. Good. And Patty did as well. So Patty got out at 25. She actually married... Uh, one of the guards from At the prison? her prison. Was this orange is the new black? Yeah. <laughs> um, and the baby Crystal um, is very outspoken and actually has like a Facebook page in memory of her mom, Linda, and speaks about how she harbors like no resentment against Patty or Cinnamon and that it's not, it's not their faults. Fault. That's good. Yeah. And um, she had spoken about wanting to connect with them. I don't know. If they did. Couldn't find if that had ever happened. Sure. Yeah. But... I would, I would, I mean, not that, not that they probably don't want some kind of resolution, but I would, I would guess that maybe they just want to distance themselves from, yeah, from that. right. Including each other. Yeah. So, uh, David passed in March of 2014 in prison at the age of 61. Good. Fuck that guy. 
that's the end. That's all I got. That was it? <laughs> it was very abrupt. <laughs> I mean, what else is going to happen? I said he died. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So how long did he serve? When did he go in? Uh, he... Why are you making me do math? <laughs> We've talked about math before. <clears throat> it's not well, my strong suit. Well... I'm glad that he served some time in jail. That guy's a dick. Yeah. That was a roller coaster ride. I know. There was a lot of big big family brainwashing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that happened in there. I can't believe he Charles Manson them. That's crazy. Well, do you have any toast this week? Yeah, I think our toast is going to be the same. Is it? Do you have one? No. Yeah, I think our toast is the same. Okay. <laughs> So, um, our toast this week is going to be, um, to all the amazing people out there that donated to our GoFundMe to help our cat. Yep, absolutely. So, um, our cat Hamilton, who, uh, is almost three, he started vomiting, um, everywhere and I immediately took him to the um, emergency referral hospital in Woburn, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Shout out. They're amazing. Yeah, they're so good. Yeah, so I took uh, him there, and he had an obstruction in his stomach, and turned out it was literally... Like a, a, a fist-sized yeah. ball of hair ties. Like, there had to have been like 30 hair ties in his stomach. It was a lot. I can't believe it. this didn't happen earlier. I can't believe it didn't happen earlier either. Um... Uh, so obviously we opted to get those removed and, and get him any care that he needed. Um, but it's very expensive and, uh, you know, know, big, big financial hit. Yeah. Matt and I didn't expect that, uh, at any point to have an almost $5,000, uh, vet bill, but, um, there's no way we wouldn't have gotten him taken care of. We love him. Those of you who have pets, you understand. It's their part yeah, of the Yeah, he's our baby. He's our baby. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, we... Um, it was really hard for us to start the GoFundMe. It's, I think it's hard for anybody to admit, like, hey, I can't afford this thing and... Um, I need some help. Yeah, it's really it's really tough. But we did it, and um, I might cry talking about it. But, like, holy shit, so many people donated. Yeah, it was like, crazy. Like, so I, I'm, I'm, many people donated. Yeah, I can't believe it. And um, it blows my mind. Like, you know, the world is so dark right now. So dark right now between, you know, the pandemic and quarantine and, um, you know, obviously, again, the, Black the Lives Matter and, and you know, the protests. And, yeah, everything is so dark. And, like, wow, you you guys made a difference in our lives. Like that was amazing. Yeah. I can't even, I don't even know how to say thank you. I have no idea. I mean, sometimes it's weird. Sometimes like you see the world as this like really dark thing. There can be a lot of bad things going on, not just now, but at any, any point in time. And it's, it's uplifting when you're reminded that like you've surrounded yourself with people, even Mm -hmm. if they're not like directly connected to you or you don't see them or talk to them every day. That, like, your life has allowed you to surround yourself with people who really yeah. care about you. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just, like, the outpouring of support and, you know, it was unbelievable. I yeah. could not believe how just many people donated. so many. And you know what um, was really cool for me to see? Like, we've talked about this before where, like, um, the job I work, 
Like, not a lot of people um, really want to work in a food place and, you know, really want to work in customer service and stuff like that. Right. And, you know, we've talked about how, like, I could go get a better paying job. But um, if you look at that donation sheet and all the people that donated, half of the people... Our customers. Our cus- they're customers. They were old coworkers. Like one of my coworkers that I haven't worked with for like eight years donated. And like one I've never even worked with. He's someone that I met because he worked at a different Store. location. Yeah. And like it just blows my mind the people I can meet at my job and, and how caring um, everyone is. And like it just it blows my yeah. mind and it warms my heart. and Makes you feel real good. Yeah. 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 It's just crazy. It's holy shit. Yeah. So <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You're we right. Cheers, we toast to you guys. We cheers to you. Yep. That's my toast too. Yeah. You saved our cat. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And we love him. And we're never going to let him eat a hair tie again. <laughs> Even though we've never seen him eat a hair tie in the first place. I don't understand where he got them. Yeah. It's crazy. Like we have, we, so we have two cats. Our big giant fat cat. I've seen him try and eat hair ties all the time like i can't believe it wasn't his stomach that this happened to because i'm constantly pulling hair ties away from him i've never seen him eat one i literally never thought a cat could eat a hair tie whole and yeah it's yeah the amount of hair ties in hamilton's stomach was one of the most surprising things that has ever happened to me in my entire life yeah it's crazy like i don't know how he ate food i have no idea what does a cat's stomach look like how big is it i don't know because apparently it's pretty big. Apparently. Because if he had that many hair ties inside him, it was also eating food on a regular basis. And it was digesting, yeah. Yeah, like what? I, know. I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. Well, again, yeah. thank you guys so much. Um, yeah, so this is another good episode. You know, I just want to let everybody know that you can find us on all the major streaming networks. Uh, Stitcher, Spotify, uh google play um even though like i said last time that's going to be going away uh apple music uh all the fun ones iHeartRadio, everything mm-hmm. uh please subscribe uh rate us if you can apple music oh that's do we have one i do yes i'm sorry we're i gonna forgot read... that we were gonna do that we're gonna read one of the reviews right now um she's pulling it up but i have it okay go ahead so the name is cass is me and this is her review on Apple Podcast. It says, cute banter between a married couple and sometimes their 12-year-old. The way they tell the tragic stories is funny because of how they interact with each other. I feel like Michelle and I have a lot in common. They tell so much about who they are in their podcast. Also, to answer one of their questions they had on an older episode about their reviews, no, you don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> Good Which one. is literally... The coolest friggin' thing ever. Yeah. That, like, thank you. Thank you so much, Cass. Um, that, uh, yeah. I think that's one of the most... That That's probably the thing that blows our mind the most about being in this position is just, like, I think we kind of started this as, like, a let's do something together and we're both interested in this and maybe some people will listen to it that know us, you know? And then, like, within the 14 episodes we've done... So many people that we have no idea who are, are interacting with us. That's awesome. I want to know so, you all. It's so fucking cool. <laughs> I can't, I can't explain how cool that is to us. Like, it, it's unbelievable. 
Um, but yeah, so thank you for the review. If you review us, you know, uh, maybe we'll read it on air. Maybe we'll send her a sticker. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool. I don't know. We'll talk about that kind of stuff in the future. If they review, we give them a sticker? Yeah, but it's not like a trade. It's like if we pick your review to read on air. Oh. Like if you do a good one? Yeah. I don't know. Does that sound now like I'm trying to buy reviews? I don't like it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to buy your review, but... I want to. I want. I was to, also eventually going to try and start a Patreon where if you donated true. to the Patreon, I just, I'd give you a sticker. I just want to th- thank you guys in some way for not only listening but like supporting us and and helping us get in front of more uh, ears, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and more people. Because uh, that's what that does when you review for us. It it kind of bumps us up in the listings, and and it, people can search us and find us easier with all the various tags that yeah exist in there. Uh, but yeah, so you can find us on all the major streaming networks. Um, you can go to our Facebook group, which has actually been pretty active lately. There's been a couple of posts in there, uh, Till Death to Us podcast on Facebook. Michelle's been trying to post the Instagram every once in a while. I'm so bad at Instagram. It's okay. It's okay. It's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll get there. <laughs> in time. Um, yeah. Uh, and you can email us at tilldeathtoespodcasts at gmail.com. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm having a little of the, I think some of that pizza's... Not sitting very well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. that was another good show. And, um, you know, especially right now when the world is so crazy, I just want to remind everybody to not murder each other. Bye. Bye.